0: Well, here at Batting 1,000, we are nearing the end of Season 1. We've had incredible guests ranging from the CEO of a major industry publication to the host of a nationally syndicated radio show to sought-after economists and more. If you missed some of the season, don't worry. We'll be sharing highlights from these conversations and others during our upcoming Season 1 replay, where we'll listen to and dissect our favorite moments from all of Season 1 before we enjoy a brief off-season ahead of Season 2. Speaking of which, we need your help to build our lineup. If you or someone you know should be Dale's next guest on Batting 1,000, let us know at dale forward slash listen or by emailing our team at listen at divvamillion.com.
1: The opportunity that exists right now is, is one where you can really grow market share, but we do have to change, just as you said, some of the things we're doing. It's been a different market for the past two and a half years, and people have gotten accustomed to that. It was uh, It was an easier market, let's put it that way. But this is, you know, easy times make soft people, you know, uh, 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 more, more difficult times make stronger people, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's what we are going to be faced with here, but it's not going to last long. I think that all the loans we're doing today are going to be refinanced in the not too distant future, certainly within the next 12 months. That's what the market's telling you. That's why I can't get a zero point quote. You know, people mistakenly call that a par rate. It's not par. Par means the loan will be sold and bought for the value of the loan, so a, a $500,000 loan will be bought for $500,000. You can't do that and offer the customer zero. That's that's a the, the nomenclature has gotten screwed up, and people just have made mistakes and carried that through. You're listening to Batting 1000 with Dale Vermillion, where heavy hitters from mortgage, real estate, and business share their secrets for lasting success. With
0: your host, award-winning sales strategist and industry icon, Dale Vermillion. All right, hello everybody and welcome to Batting 1000, where we talk to the heavy hitters in the mortgage arena. And today I'm wearing my Be a Humble Hero t-shirt for a reason, because I've got a guy who needs absolutely no introduction. He, he is he is one of the icons of the mortgage industry, a dear friend for almost 20 years now, uh, a comrade, a, a partner, a guy that I love to death as a human being, and he is truly a humble hero. Today, I get to hang out with Barry Habib, and it just doesn't get any better than this. Barry, we are so honored. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I'm so honored. Uh, author of Money in the Streets. Y- you've done it all. You've spoke all over the nation. Everybody knows who you are. Barry, so glad to have you.
1: I'm so I'm so honored to be here. It's certainly a privilege, and I love spending time with you, Dale, as you know, and, and obviously spending time with Jake too is just great. Uh, I could say all those exact same things right back towards you, my friend. Uh, appreciate you and everything that you do.
0: Well, feeling so mutual. so. Look, I know we've got an audience out there that's sitting in a changing, crazy market and there's nobody that has a better understanding of what rates are doing, what the market's doing, where it's going. And I know you got a lot of great stuff to share today. So we'll just jump right in and, and, and let's talk about what's happening in today's mortgage market. Let's talk about what the prognosis is from your perspective on what rates are gonna do in the, in the rest of this 2022 year. Uh, you know, what originators to do. Let's talk about how we can help these guys today and the lenders that are out there to just be more successful. Uh, Barry, I'm going to let you kind of open that up and, and talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there and what some of the trends are and and some of the, the things that you think are going to happen. So we
1: know that this is a market that's got a lot of moving parts, but once we understand it, uh, a little spoiler alert here, I think long term, the, the news is good, but there are some different components. Very, very short term, a few months down the road, changes in both areas, and then longer term and what that means. So the, the The things I'd like to touch on is interest rates, of course, that's, we know that the relationship is most important and we know that being an advisor and choosing the right products are most important, but certainly interest rates will have a very big influence on what's going on. So we want to make sure we understand what's driving it, what the feds role is, and we can talk about those things. But I also want to make sure that people know what the driving force is behind these moves that we've been seeing in interest rates. And then what's its impact on the overall economy, on us, mm-hmm. and of course, the housing market? Because we yep. hear so much bad stuff on the housing market, and people have gotten it wrong, Dale, for a long time. We've yep. been blowing alarm whistles on housing. And as you know, we've been pretty steadfast in uh, forecasting housing. I think we've done a very good job of that. And I think right now, probably as as loud as the drumbeat as I can remember, people are forecasting a big crash, although it have been Forecasting this for seven years now, but uh, the drumbeat's getting louder and louder and louder. And I think they just misinterpret a lot of the data. So, have ways for us to understand that.
0: Good. Let, let, let me ask you this question as we lead into this, because one of the things, uh, Barry, that that I have been uh, just preaching like crazy across the nation uh, in all the sessions that I do. You and I speak a lot uh, at conferences and with lenders and with you know brokers across the country and loan officers and. Look, the one thing I keep telling people is, first off, this is an incredibly opportunistic market if you approach it the right way. This is where you can win market share if you're doing it the right way. The key is you got to change. You know, in a challenging market, if you think about the word challenge, it's got the word change embedded in it. It literally, C H A L L E N G E, changes at the beginning and end of challenge. And, and what I'm telling people is you got to have confidence in your ability to be able to help people in this market. You got to remember the American dream is still the American dream. Rates go up, people are still going to buy homes, especially with the massive demand that is out there because of the population numbers that we see today. And on the refi side, there's still refi opportunities if you're leveraging debt and doing the right things. Would you agree that this is an incredibly opportunity? market for those who are out there today if they learn to modify their behavior from 2021, change the market. And you said something really key a minute ago. Really focus in on relationships. Slow yourself down. Spend more time with your customers and with your referral partners and the people you work with and really just do it right. Would you agree with that?
1: Of course. Yeah. I th- you you said so many important things there. And, and the opportunity that exists right now is is one where you can really grow market share, but we do have to change. Just as you said, yep. some of the things we're doing. It's been a different market for the past two and a half years, and people have gotten accustomed to that. It was, yep. um, it was an easier market. Let's put it that way. Yep. But this is, you know, easy times make soft people. You know, uh, more more difficult times make stronger people. You know, yep. and and that's right. uh, that's that's what we are going to be faced with here, but it's not gonna last long. I think that all the loans we're doing today are going to be refinanced in the not too distant future, certainly with the next 12 months. That's what the market's telling you. That's why I can't get a zero point quote. You know, people mistakenly call that a par rate. It's not par. Par means the loan will be sold and bought for the value of the loan. So a, a $500,000 loan will be bought for $500,000. You can't do that and offer the customer zero. That's that's a the, the nomenclature has gotten screwed up and people just have made mistakes and carried that through par rate means that a 500,000 loan will be bought for 500,000. So in order to make money, the customer has to pay two or three points on that thing. Right? So if you're going to do a loan with the customers at zero, somebody's paying 510, $515,000 for that loan. So the originator, the originating company, the servicer, the agencies, and the securitizer on Wall Street can all get paid out of that money. Yep. So the investor, before they spend five hundred and fifteen thousand dollars for a loan that's worth five hundred, needs to be incented to do so. And the way that they're incented was is with additional yield. Now, normal circumstances, that yield would typically be in the range of if you wanted to go for a loan that was, you know, let's just say a zero point loan as opposed to a one, you know, a one point loan or a two point loan. The the difference would be a quarter percent or a half a percent more in yield, a quarter percent for each point that you would be able to get in premium. Well, nobody wants that because they don't think the loan's going to be on that on the books that long. So I'm not going to spend five hundred and ten or five hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to get a little bit more in interest when I know that loan might refinance in six months, eight months, 15 months, whatever it is, right? Because I believe that the market's coming down. So in a crazy perverse way, this difficulty that people are having is the market, the smart money saying these rates are not going to be up here for very long and they're going to come back down. So nobody wants to be left holding the bag. So what do they do? If you want a zero point quote, we're going to make it really painful, they say, for you to do that to kind of dissuade you from it. So instead of it being A quarter point in rate gets you one point back. You got to go a full point in rate to get one point back. (laughs) It's almost ridiculous to do so. But that's the way that the buyers are looking at this market and saying that these rates will not remain here very long.
0: So tell us the forecast. What, what what do you see happening out there, Barry? What what, what do you see the future hold? What, what are some, some great strategies and ideas that you can share with the audience today in, in today's marketplace to build confidence, to build encouragement, to get people thinking again that this is a great industry to be in?
1: Well, it is a great industry to be in. And, uh, you know, the fact that other people may not change the way they're thinking. You remember Albert Einstein said the, the same thought process, the same way of thinking that got us into this is not the way we're going to solve this, right? That's from Albert Einstein, pretty bright guy. So we have to change the way we think. Uh, We clearly have to take more of an advisory approach and we have to solve the problems that are in existence today. So if I can Dale, I want to maybe go through some slides and kind of talk to everybody a little bit here uh, first and, and, and explain what's going on, why, where we're going and I'll give you the triggers to see and also some solutions. So right. first of all, let's let's take a look at what is driving interest rates. And it's the crazy thing about this is the people in this industry Dale, don't understand what even drives interest rates. You would think we're in the business where you know I I wrote loans for over 20 years. I never had a customer say the box there it says interest rate, you fill in whatever you feel like. You know, <laughs> everybody's going to ask you, you know, where are rates going? What do you think? What's the current environment? And the way we answer that question is really important. That's an opportunity to show how bright you are, because the person who says, well, you know, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be on vacation somewhere having a pina colada. (laughs) Well, that might be funny, but you just blew an opportunity because now you sound like everyone else. And you just said, I have no clue what the frick's going on. What you really need to do is to be able to understand it. So let's understand, first of all, what drives mortgage rates. It's not the Fed. The Fed has influence, but not in the ways you might think. It's inflation. So mortgages are long-term mortgage rates. So you got to turn your hat around right now, and instead of looking at it through the eyes of a borrower or a mortgage originator, look through the eyes of someone investing in that mortgage and buying that mortgage. Look through those lenses. And when you do, what you see is that, okay, I just gave you, just pick some numbers here, a $400,000 mortgage, and I'm getting... 2,000 bucks a month in monthly payment, just some round numbers, right? So now that 2,000 bucks a month, I take it and I buy a list of goods and services. This month, I get the check next month. I do the same thing, the same thing the month after maybe, but over time, I can't get everything on my list. I have to leave a few things off because inflation makes things cost more and therefore I can't get everything I used to. Literally, my buying power is eroding. So the check says $2,000, but don't buy what $2,000 used to buy. Right. When inflation is very low, I can offer a low rate of interest because that erosion happens very slowly. But now inflation has gone on a year-over-year basis from less than 1.5% to currently 8.6% as measured by the Consumer Price Index. That changes the game. And that's why rates have gone up because I can't do anything about the loans I've given in the past. What I can do, though, is on new loans, I can try to account for that more rapid rate of erosion because of higher inflation in my buying power. So what do I do on that same $400,000 loan? I can't start at 2000. I got to start at 22, 23, 24, 2,500 to offset the more rapid rate of erosion that I'm experiencing every month. So that's why you are seeing mortgage rates rise. And in fact, Dale, I could show you kind of a pretty cool chart, That really kind of speaks to this in a good way, and so let's let's take a look at some of the charts that I have here, Dale. I'm going to share my screen. Okay, that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. And let's do it. And Dale, you tell me if you could see that screen. Up looks good to you. Looks good. Okay, so we got a lot of the R word now, recession. And you know, Dale, I'm very proud. You know, you and I have talked about this. I remember when I called the recession for 2020 in 2019. Everybody thought I was nuts, and sure enough, it happened in January of 2020. And we have been calling, believe it or not, since 11 months ago, it's on MBS Highway, it's documented. We made the call for second half of 2022. Looks like a recession to us. Again, everybody thought we were nuts, but the methodology is proving out that it's going to more than likely be very accurate. So Dale, right now, people are looking at the market and they're saying, hey, you know, it feels a lot worse. The NBA estimated 2.6 trillion in originations. I think it'll come in less than that. But let's just say it comes in 2.3 that would be like the third best year in the last 16 years in volume. So there's volume out there, we just got to get our share. And purchases for all the hand rigging and all the crap that you hear on TV, purchases, when you compare them to the last decade, they're at a very strong level. Now, we had this big dip because of COVID. This here, a lot of that is makeup for the big dip. So we're coming off of very high levels. Now, when you say, okay, let's compare it to the previous year, it looks like purchases are going down. But if you take the noise out of COVID and the crazy influence that the Fed had and and the QE, and you say, let's compare it to 2019, 2018, 2017, 2017, it compares very favorably. This is a very good market. So don't believe the crap in the media. Now, remember I told you that inflation drives mortgage rates and here's the proof. Let's take a peek over the past 50 years and watch what happens. The white lines inflation. So inflation starts to move up first. And then what are mortgage rates in blue? What do they do? There's a lag. But after inflation moves up, then mortgage rates move up. Inflation starts coming down. Again, there's a lag. Actually, mortgage rates went up a little bit longer. But then once inflation was coming down, mortgage rates came down. It's the same pattern over and over and over with just a little bit of a lag for mortgage rates. And here we are now. Inflation shoots up. And mortgage rates are simply following suit. So if you want to know where are we going to be with interest rates, we have to watch inflation. When will inflation come down? And the answer is right here. This is an important inflation measurement. It's called the Consumer Price Index, or CPI. When we take a look at CPI, it's made up of the most recent 12 months. The most recent data we got was a couple of weeks ago for the month of May of 2022, right here. It was 1% for that one month. If you go from May of 2022 to June of 2021, you add these up with a little bit of rounding, with a little bit of compounding, and that gives you your 8.6% year-over-year inflation. Now, the reason why the market performed so badly and rates jumped up after the last inflation report, and the reason why the Fed said, oh my gosh, we better hike at a greater rate, is because this number for May came in at 1%. It replaced the May 2021 number, which was 7 tenths, which made the year-over-year number go up by the same 3 tenths. It went from 8.3 year-over-year to 8.6, and the market panicked. Now, in a couple of weeks from now, Dale, we're going to get the number for June of 2022. I think it's quite possible that the number for June of 2022 comes in less than the number it will replace. Maybe it comes in 6 or 7 tenths and the inflation number year over year should go down from 8.6 to maybe 8.4, 8.3, something like that, and everybody's gonna say, oh my gosh, pop the champagne corks, inflation has peaked. So I think mortgage bonds will respond well, but here's what nobody's counting on. They're not looking at this, and what we see here was the inflation readings for 2021 were quite low, which means it won't take much when we get the numbers to replace July, August and September for the new readings to be higher, which tells us inflation will have a resurgence over the summer and early fall and mortgage rates. We could get a little bit of a break here in lower rates for the next month or so. But after that, it's going to be a little bit more challenging summer. Now, I believe, Dale, that when we get into the fall, we get into the fourth quarter and the first quarter of next year, you could see the comparisons are much higher. Because of that alone, inflation should drop. Plus, the Fed rate hikes will start to take hold. So if we think about inflation drives mortgage rates. So what is inflation? The definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So one of the things that's out there is supply chain is now alleviating. Shanghai was all bottled up, and that is an enormous port, largest in the world. We start to get goods flow by the fourth quarter. That alleviates some of those concerns on the inflation front from supply, but also what the Fed's trying to do by hiking rates is demand destruction. Now, the Fed does not control long-term rates. The Fed controls short-term rates, which affects home equity loans, car loans, credit cards, personal loans, but the big one are the commercial loans. That's the one that's based on the Fed funds rate plus a little bit of a margin, but that's your 300 million, half a billion dollar loan. Should I build this factory? Should I do this expansion? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff slows down because the economy doesn't, the economics of it, I should say, doesn't make sense at the higher cost. Plus, remember inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So that lack of or less borrowing money because its rates are higher will slow down the amount of dollars chasing products. But also people will now have an incentive to save. As the Fed continues to hike rates, next hike on July 27th, then the 21st, we're gonna get a Fed funds rate near 3%. And that means you can get savings in the bank of 4% or so. So maybe I wasn't interested in putting my money in the bank at one-tenth of 1%, but at 4%, I might put some money away. So what's inflation? Too many dollars chasing too few products. This is money coming out, so less dollars. So what the Fed's trying to do is cause demand destruction, slow things down. And that should help mortgage rates as we get into the fourth quarter. I think, Dale, we could get back under 5% between the fourth quarter and first quarter and listen, Dale, you know this. Rates in the mid-force, we can kick butt with that. Now, we know that there's going to be a recession. We've called it, as I mentioned a while ago. We are very convinced. Look at what the Fed does every time. Let's go back 80 years. Fed starts hiking. It brings us to the darker air recession again, 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 every time. It didn't happen here after the Fed rate hikes, but that's because we had the advent of the internet. And the last time it occurred, and here's where we are now, we're going to be we're gonna be hiked right into another recession. The Fed will never admit it. But if you look and read between the tea leaves here at what the Atlanta Fed and the Cleveland Fed are saying, they're forecasting gross domestic product for the second quarter to be roughly at zero. And this is after the first quarter was negative 1.6. They'll never forecast a negative number. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a negative print for the second quarter. Now, the definition of a recession, comes from the National Board of Economic Research. They're like the umpire, you know? The rule of thumb is two consecutive quarters of a GDP print that's negative and you're in a recession. But it's not official until they call it. But you know what, Two. Uh, the, the analogy I like is this one, Dale. Two quarters of GDP negative is like a pitcher throwing a ball right in the heart of the plate, dead center. It's pretty hard for the umpire not to call that one a strike. So we have to wait for the National Board of Economic Research to call it, but I think they'll call it a recession. And then the, the argument against that you hear all the time is the job market's too strong, job market. How could you have a recession when the unemployment rate's so low, it's only 3.6%. Well, here's the news flash. That's exactly when you get it. You never get recessions when unemployment is high. You get them when they reach their lowest level and begin to turn higher. Let's look over the last 100 years, and this is a 100% accurate correlation, no deviations from it. Every time the unemployment rate reaches its lowest level and starts to turn higher, you get a recession right around the corner. Here's where we are right now, 3.6% unemployment rate. When we get the unemployment numbers, watch for a couple of months where it starts to tick higher. You will know that recession is right around the corner. So here's the payoff. What does this mean to us? Well, here's what it means to us, Dale. It means that mortgage rates during recessions decline. The last one, they dropped 1%. Here, they dropped one and an eighth, near 1%, two and a quarter percent, 5%, four and a quarter percent. So mortgage rates decline. And then the other big question, because the media is gonna say, okay, you got a recession, what's that mean for real estate? Well, let's look at the facts. During the past nine recessions, real estate values went up and up a lot more after the recession. One exception, Dale, we remember this, this was, you know, the housing bubble that led us into the recession, not the recession that caused the housing bubble. The housing bubble, you know, 100 LTV, no income, no asset, investor, loan, 580 FICO, no job. I mean, you know, kind of crazy situations there. Plus, demographics were different. And uh before I go to the next one, Dale, that was a lot of stuff there. So let's just take a pause here and then we can go and talk a little bit about housing.
0: Well, uh- Thanks for sharing all that data. Um, I think that helps an awful lot of people to understand a little bit better exactly, you know, how the market works, what drives the market, because you're right, people think Fed, Fed rate goes up, rates are going to go up, but that's not the correlation. You, you've got to look fact, at-
1: every time, In fact, every time the Fed hikes rates, if it's perceived that inflation is now being controlled, mortgage rates drop. You know, uh, Paul Volcker took the Fed funds rate from 85 to 20%, 11.5% higher, mortgage rates drop 6%. Alan Greenspan raises the Fed funds rate 2% in a year, mortgage rates drop 3%. The same thing is
0: going to happen here. Awesome. That's I, I think that's that's good news for everybody to hear out there to understand because I think I think confusion is so much a part of the problem. People get fearful for the things they don't really understand. Um, that's the beauty of having advice from somebody like you that that does this every day and, and sees it. You know, you and I are in this market. We see what's going on. We know it is, but you can explain it way better than I can because that's what you do and and that's your expertise. So let, let's talk a little bit now about, you know, the, the thing that I love about you, Barry, is you know I know the market really well, but you know sales really well. And you know how to how to, you know, really help originators understand how to work with their customers. What do you see as some of the really key strategies in this marketplace today, knowing it's a heavy purchase market, to really capitalize on the purchase market and and have incredible results. Because, you know, it's funny, I'm seeing loan officers who are having better years this year than last year that are doing things the right way. But I'd love to hear your perspective on that and what you're seeing and and what it would take to get to those kind of numbers.
1: Okay, well, let's do that. So first thing I'm going to start off with, Dale, is uh, I have a few ideas. So let, let's, again, I'm going to share my screen. Okay. And uh, one of the things that, and by the way, if we have time, I do want to talk a little bit about the housing market too, but I'd love to talk about, let me pull it up. And I think you should see this is, are you doing some non-QM? And I hear people say this all the time, Barry, I'd love to do non-QM, but um, you know, I got to give somebody a rate of like seven and a quarter with a point or point and a half or something like that. How could I do that? I don't, I'm, 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 you know, bashful or shy about even quoting that rate, or my customer's gonna tell me I'm crazy. Well, if you present it correctly, your customer will see the opportunity. So let's take a scenario. Let's say a purchase price is 400,000, 10% down is a 360 loan, seven and a quarter is the rate, one and a half points. And the average, now we can pick any market here. I picked something modest here. 4.39% is the forecasted appreciation, right in line with the average for the last 62 years. They're expected to be in the home for the next nine years. And let's tell them all the negatives. Here's, uh, by the way, Dale, you know this. The way we build trust, my humble opinion, two ways. First, knowledge. Show that customer that you're a master of your craft and you're knowledgeable. Because if you could teach them things and they make sense and you could articulate them, they will start to trust you more.
0: Agreed. I I think- I think that's so understated uh, by everybody in the industry other than you and I. We've always believed this. Being an educator is your number one role as a loan officer. That's where your value is at, is in providing great advice.
1: And the, uh, You're correct, Dale. I agree with you. And then the other thing, brother, is that we need to be vulnerable. And we need to stop selling. Yep. And instead of yeah. trying to tell them everything that's there, an advisor can show you benefits but they'll also show you the negatives. So what we believe in here is let's show them the pitfalls of homeownership as opposed to renting because there are some. For example, your property taxes will go up and for each market we know what the averages are. The average monthly repair cost for that property. You know, you're not going to have this every month, but that's something that if you were renting your landlord would take care of. And then if you were renting you just say bye-bye when the lease is up. If you're selling to dispose of the home, you probably will incur costs. So let's count on a 6% of the appreciated value of the home as your cost. So let's give them all the bad stuff. Now that we've done that, let's take a look at what's going on. So our tools have every estimated rent in every zip code for every market value. So we came up with this one and it was $2,200, but let's say you're getting a smoking deal and you're only going to pay 2,100. Now the rents in the United States are going up at roughly 8% a year. But we picked some place like Las Vegas where rents are only gonna go up 6% a year, been going up 6%. So we wanted to try and make it, we wanna make this look as pretty as possible. You're getting a smoking deal, your rents aren't gonna go up as much. This is. We wanna make this as favorable as we possibly can for the renter. So when you take a look and compare it, you could say, wow, 29.50 versus 21.30 to rent, that's $830 a month or $826 a month more to purchase the home. That's crazy, I should be renting. Well, the purple line is your rent. Notice how over time it eventually eclipses the cost of ownership. And this doesn't account for the fact that that non-QM could have been refinanced to a lower rate. This is you keep that same seven and a quarter percent rate. Now, over the nine years that they expected to be there, on a cash flow basis, you'd lose $28,000 by buying, except monthly principal and interest. We all know the interest goes to the lender, but the principal is your own money. It's just in a different place. You know, if I cash in my left pocket, Dale, and I put it in my right pocket, it's not spent. It's just in a different location. The principle is money that instead of it being in your checking account, it's in equity in your home. It's a different location, same money. And that amounts to $42,000. So you are actually cash flow positive when you consider the amortization. But the magic of appreciation and compound interest really comes into play. So we only said 4.39% appreciation. For a lot of people, I said nah, that doesn't seem like a lot. Well, Albert Einstein, another quote from him, has said the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He said that because it is. And just 4.39% will give you an extra $189,000 during that period of time. Now, take into consideration the cost of selling at the future value at 6%, and you get a few bucks for a tax benefit, about $500 a year, not much, but you get a little bit of a tax benefit, so we'll take it. And the bottom line is this, you make the decision. Don't get turned off because the rate's seven and a quarter. Get turned on because you're gonna make $164,000. If you're only there for five years, it's 50,000. If you're only there for four years, should you turn away $35,000? I don't think so. Now, the truth of it is, is that if you're gonna be in there for a year or two years, The cost to get in and the cost to sell will outweigh the benefits potentially. So maybe you should rent if you're gonna be there for less than two years. But if you're gonna be there for more than two years, clearly you should be a buyer. So I've got to tell you Dale, this strategy is being utilized by people and they are seeing very, very big time results. Realtors, showing this to realtors, even if they don't have a customer that's in this position, this now tells that realtor, hey, I'm dealing with a mortgage professional. They're not bringing me M&Ms. They're not bringing me bagels. They're bringing me ideas. They're bringing me solutions. They're bringing me presentations. And here's another way that you could do it is you could co-brand it with your realtor so your realtor could see on one page and the client could see on one page how good this is. Now, another thing, Dale, for an idea, contact all your realtors and say, hey, look, when you go out on a listing appointment, can I help you by giving you an appraisal? So that you can present professionally it'll be co-branded you'll present this report this only takes you three seconds to do inside of mbs highway so what you do is you pull our abm you bring this it looks beautiful it shows all the neighborhood but then what it also does is it gives you all the comps hey realtor instead of you working for 45 minutes to pull all these comps of closed values let's show you what this home will appraise for You you can certainly pull what other properties are going for, but ultimately it's important what the home appraises for. Let's show you what average cost per square foot is, what the sales prices are going for, how many sales are occurring in each quarter, so people can see their expectation. This is what I'd be doing with every realtor. Now you might say, well, if that realtor's going on a listing, I might not get a deal from it. You might not get a deal today, but by being of service, you're building a relationship that could pay you huge dividends. And then of course, whatever the media says about how terrible the housing market is we're still seeing reports that about 60% of properties have multiple bids and they're over asking price so we have a tool that helps with that because look here's a real example i was just in tampa speaking yesterday and you know real listing you know, in this zip code in tampa the value of, as far as the abm it's 810 but they have it listed for like 820 but in order to get it somebody's got to pay 30,000 more than even the asking price. So they're spending $40,000 more than the value. Well, the big question is, how long will it take to break even? What the customer doesn't understand is that this amounts to 3.7% of a bid over the value. So this bid over the value of 3.7% is very difficult for them to understand that that's only gonna take six months to get there in this zip code. So, huh, it's gonna take me two months to close. That's not so bad to be in that home for four months. So what happens in the future? Well, this zip code's forecasted appreciation on average per year over the next five years is 4.93%. It's a lot less than the 25, 30% they're seeing today, but that's what the average is expected over the next five years. How much does that amount to? It's very hard for most people to calculate that because of the magic of compound interest. So we need to do that for them. And it's pretty shocking that it's $223,000. So what will happen in most cases is that person would then say, well, you know what? Huh, it's not so bad to be spending 8.50 for the home that they're asking 8.20 for. You know, that is not as big a deal to them. And therefore, you now have a realtor who's excited, you now have a customer who's making the right decision, and you could even backtest test this for the last 63 years and say this appreciation that's being forecasted, is pretty much in line with what's out there. So again, just a couple of more ideas, you know, there's cost of waiting tools that we have to show if you waited, how much more you'd be spending because interest rates, even if they stayed the same property values would appreciate and you got to spend more for it. All of these tools in the real estate report Card is a big one, Dale, we've gone over this in the past, transform your role from a salesperson and give you the ability to be an advisor. So awesome. that's just a few ideas that we have there, Dale, that, uh, that that hopefully can help people understand um, some options that you have you said it beautifully it's an opportunistic market you know albert einstein the same thinking that got us we need different thinking yeah. okay so we have to think differently
0: and what we got to get rid of is stinking thinking, as I always like to say, because yeah. there's yeah. too much of that out there. So, yeah, uh, look, Barry, um, all of the stuff you just showed is all part of MBS Highway, which um, I, I fully endorse and and support. And uh, you guys have great tools. Where would somebody go uh, to get access to to these tools uh, for themselves? So
1: we actually have something. Dale, for you you guys here that I'll just share the screen real quick. So if you want to take a peek at it, this is what you do to get a discount because they're batting a thousand. So the normal price is 200 bucks a month. It is very well worth it because we give you alerts. We help you on the rate locks. So you get a video every very day well that tells you it. It. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, 2000 bucks a year. But if you wanted to do this, just go to mbshighway.com, use the code event. And the discount of 40% is what you will receive because you're on batting a 1,000. Awesome. So there, there you have it. So, appreciate uh, that, uh, did, did I share that, um, Dale? Did I share that screen? I don't know if I shared that. So let me just uh, share that. I didn't that see screen. it, no. Let's, let's take a quick peek at it so you can see it right here. Okay. And uh, it is mbshighway.com with the code EVENT to get a 40% discount
0: on awesome. the subscription just like awesome. that. Appreciate that. All right. So let's. you said you wanted to talk for a minute about the housing market. Let's talk about that. And then I want to ask you at the end of that, I want to close this out by talking about, and you can be thinking about this. One thing that I love to ask all my guests, and I'm really excited to hear this now. I've read your book, so I kind of know a lot of this, but uh, the audience may not. And that is, I want to hear a little bit about mentors in your life, people that have been significant and, and how much you believe having a mentor is important, because I think that's a really Key part of success, but but let's first talk about the housing market and what you're seeing out there and and what uh, people can expect.
1: So Dale, you know I'm excited to talk about mentors because I've been blessed to have so many and uh, so many people that have uh, influenced my life. You're one of the people that have that have always had a great influence on me, Dale. Uh, but there have been so so many. It starts with my mom, and uh, you know, and and just goes from there. But um, I think mentors are critically important. Yep. And um, I write about it in my book, as you probably know, is, is how important this is, Dale, to, uh, to have mentors. I know you wanted me to go back to the real estate thing, but you got me so excited to talk about mentors.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about it now. That's fine. You, you know, um,
1: I, I, think, I think having mentorship is critical and being humble enough to realize that we are all coachable. The more we learn, the more we need to know, right? I mean, that's how that you, you've got that humble hero. Part of that humility is in realizing how infinitesimal our knowledge base is compared to how much there is to know. So, um, you know, if, if you look at everyone as a book, if you allow yourself the opportunity to learn from one another and see what they have, you can take pages from their book, and grow from that. Uh, this is something that I believe, you know, we, we all go through and, and I've, I've seen this happen. People in their careers, you know, an important aspect of your career is the fulfillment part. Look, when we're all starting out, we're all full of piss and vinegar, and we want to make a name for ourselves and <laughs> yeah, we want to do whatever, you know? So it's about I, 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 us, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. it becomes where you reach a level where you want to give back and you want legacy. You know, you and I try to do that every day where it's really about giving. And I believe that in life, that's what gives you the fulfillment. You know, you you have others first. You always talk about doing good for others. This is what makes you feel good. This is what gives you, you know, you see a lot of wealthy people unhappy, a lot of people who have achieved great success, not really happy. Because they're missing the other leg, they're missing that fulfillment piece, which which really does that. Amen. So to answer your question on mentors, oh my goodness, so so many. Um, I write about a guy in my book, Jack Grummet, who first taught me technical analysis, and then mm-hmm. Steve Nister, who taught me about Japanese candlesticks. Um, Tony Robbins, who befriended me and 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 brought me under his wing. John Walden, uh, with regards to really deep understanding of the bond market, Lacey Hunt, just one of the most unbelievably sweet and kind guys that are out there and the list goes on and on there's just there's so many names but i want to have as many mentors as i possibly can so i can add value to others you know all this stuff that we're sharing here this isn't just something i came up you know these are things that i've learned that others have helped me to formulate so that of course i could put my own understanding and my own ideas on it but without The help from those that were kind enough to spend time and invest in me, I would not have this knowledge. So you can make a huge difference in others' life as a mentor to them and feel that fulfillment. But in order to do it, you can't give what you don't have. So you have to be the one that pushes yourself to continuously learn, to continuously gain expertise and knowledge. And don't just consume it. Teach it. Share it. And that's what gives you the fulfillment.
0: You know, I, I loved everything you just said there, and and the, the the one thing you said that I really liked was when you said, "Look at people as a book." What what a great quote that is right there. That 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 is a drop the mic quote right there because, you know, we we put so much value in reading books from authors because we view them as being experts just because the author of a book. And I got to be honest with you, I've read a lot of books that weren't that good. But I've sat down and had some rich conversations with individuals on airplanes that I met for the first time that in a two-hour flight, I learned more in that two hours than than I've learned in 10 books that I've read all combined together. It's really looking at the opportunity to learn from other people, be mentored by them, to to, to just give them an opportunity to tell you what's made them successful. I'm sure you're probably like this too. I always love it when I get around people that are, you know, a, a, a little bit older than me. That, that's been since I was a kid. You know, I would go to the family reunion. I was crawling on grandpa's laps, you know, all the older guys, because I wanted to hear, how'd you get where you're at? And and what may, makes you who you are? And it's amazing what you can learn from people if you'll just open yourself up to the opportunity. And I love that, you know, here's, here's Barry Habib, and y'all know who Barry is. And uh, what great things he's done in the market. And he said right there, he's had multiple mentors and he's looking for more of them. Look, yes, teachable spirit is the number one characteristic of successful people. I meet too many people in business where I'll ask them, so who's mentoring you? Who who are you learning from? And and they're like, Well, nobody. I, I just do what I do. And I'm like, boy, that's 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 a quick trip. Uh, being unsuccessful right there. You've got to get out and you've got to take advantage of the wisdom of their, other people. So really yeah. Yeah. appreciate and, your comments on that.
1: Oh, no. no, Dale. I mean, I know we're both kindred spirits. So we both feel the same way. You know, like uh, I mentioned Lacey Hunt, you know, I tell Lacey this. And and, and by the way, the, the people that we try and get around that have expertise, when you're humble and you're coming at it in the right way and you really just want to learn and, and honor them, It's amazing how willing they are to share that expertise with you and how open they are. You don't have to pay for it. they'll just be willing to speak with you. Obviously the time has to be right. Um, but you know, Lacey, I, he always takes my call, returns my call. You know, I just check in on him. I don't even like to ask him for anything, but I say this to him pretty much every time I say, Lacey, I feel like every time I have a chance to have a conversation with just like, I just went to school, you know, uh, because he's such a good teacher. And it's so deep and so in-depth, the things that he's learned by working at the Fed for so many years and the insights that he can share with me. There are people all around you who have that. And you know what, Dale, I, I also have to give credit. I appreciate you saying about that mic drop line. I don't own that line. I, I borrowed it. Um, but I borrowed it from Carlos Beltran, who's a really good yeah. friend of mine. Awesome. And, you know, Hall of Fame baseball player. So yeah. Carlos and I were out to dinner and, you know, we haven't conversation much like you and I do, you know, and he's, he's very much a deep thinker, you know, baseball player, but really a deep thinker. And he's like, you know, Barry says, I look at everybody like a book. And so I copied that line and shared it with you today, but I want to make sure I give credit where credit's due.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we got about three minutes left. Uh, Let's talk about the housing market for a minute and and share with us. Let's try
1: and do it quick. Let's try and do it really quick. I'm going to, I'm going to share the screen um, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose, Dale. And if we could potentially go a little bit longer than normal, I might have some good stuff for us. So um, look, housing bubble, Dan Olick's been talking about it forever. Uh, in 2015, bubble larger than 2006. 2016, we're in a new housing bubble. Homeownership doesn't build wealth since 2017. Uh, the housing market's overvalued, said it in 2017. 2018, is better to rent than to buy. Uh, the housing market's about to shift in a bad way and it keeps going up. Next year is going to be hard on the housing market, what was her forecast for 2020. Prices went up 16%. A year ago, she said the housing boom is over and hope prices have gone up 18%. So don't believe the media. The media has a different agenda. Use expertise. Prices are determined by supply and demand. Right. Household formations is your demand. So, where does, what's a household formation? where you're living in a home, let's say with your family, and then somebody leaves that home so that home doesn't go up for the, up in the market or up for rent or any, it's still occupied, but now you get your own place. So now you need an extra household or a couple that's living together and they decide to split up. Now they need two roofs over the heads instead of one. So you're occupying another home without putting another one vacant. So that's a household formation. In the United States, there's about 1.41 million households being formed. That's your demand. Where does supply come from? It doesn't come from somebody who's getting a home and selling their home because they've got to live somewhere. So that's inventory neutral. It comes from builders. So the media looks at this and they say, ah, housing starts 1.55 million. They never take into consideration that 100,000 homes every year get destroyed because they get replaced, they age, whatever. So this is what's coming on the market. So you might say, well, Barry, the new household demand is 1.4 million. Maybe there's a surplus that we're starting to see that could alleviate this. Now, by 50,000 homes a year, we're probably a million and a half underwater anyway of too little inventory. But that's not the full story. You see, housing starts is one thing, but that's a shovel in the ground. Look at completions. And when you do, we're still building 50,000 less homes a year than what the demand is. So this will keep pressure on. Remember, prices are not determined by, oh, it feels like a housing bubble. They're determined by supply and demand. Higher rates mean less demand, certainly, but The remaining people who qualify are still overwhelming. Look, if you want to look at what a housing bubble looks like, 3.8 million units for sale today, 1.16 million units for sale. And now people say, well, inventory is building, inventory is building. Yeah, it is. But it does that every single year, every single year. Why? Because if my kid, if I'm sensitive to the fact that I remember when kids came into the class in the middle of the school year, it was harder on them. So I'd rather my child start at the beginning of the school year to form those friendships, which means I got to close my home at least no later than August, right? Which means I have to put my home on the market no later than May or June or even in April, which is why it becomes the home buying season when you get all that inventory. It's not because there's flowers blooming or it's warmer. It's because they want their kid to start school on time. But you see this every year. So the media will make a big deal of it, but it is a normal occurrence. Now... I just told you there's 1.16 million units in inventory, and that's what the market thinks. And they say, oh, well, that means we got 2.2 months supply of homes. Not true, because what they fail to understand is that of those, it also includes under contract. Hey, I can't buy somebody's home that they're closing on next week and they're ready to go. They've already got their mortgage, right? That's under contract. Is a realtor gonna take, oh yeah, let's go. Let's go out and let's look at this home. This is closing next week. You want to go in their home and see what it looks? No, of course not. It's not available. You know what we have in actual inventory? 516,000 homes. You wanna look at what this appears like when you see this together. You can see that yes, there has been a little bit of a move up in inventory, but you can see, take a look at where we've been over the past few years and look what inventory has done. Back in 2016, and a normal market is 25% of the inventory is under contract. Today, 55% is under contract. Still a lot of pressure. And vacancies. Vacancies, all-time low. Why is this important? When vacancies are high, like in 07, man, I'm carrying two homes. I got two mortgages. I got two sets of, of homes to maintain with bills. If somebody offers me something less, I'm apt to just dump it so I don't have the carrying costs. You don't have that today. So, But here's the big one, and we'll close with this one, Dale, is that Let's take a quick peek at affordability because this is what the media bangs the table on and you see this every day. Okay, so last year, a home with a $400,000 mortgage at 3.5% cost you $1,796 a month, right? Right. In order to qualify for that, you needed two incomes at around $4,500 a month. Remember, this is principal and interest. So about $9,000 income. Now this year, homes have gone up 18% so you need to borrow $472. The rate is 5.5% or so with one point, let's just say. So it's 800, it's 900 bucks more, and this is what the media is harping on. It is harping on the fact that it's so much more expensive, but what they don't look at is the incomes. Now, overall incomes are up 6%, but if you take out the bottom quadrant, it's up 8%. Why do we take out the bottom quadrant? Because the young person who's 16 years old working at Jimmy John's, they're not, in the home buying market today. God willing, they will be. So we take those who can be in the home buying market, it's an 8% increase, which means you're making 720 a month more to offset this. Now look, we know that food, gas, services have gone up. Is it more expensive? Is it harder today? Yes, but not as bad as the media tells you because there's a big offsets to this. I know we went a little over, Dale, I'm sorry for that. We're good, no, we're uh, good.
0: Any additional Barry Habib that we get in my book is a good thing. So, Barry, look, uh, appreciate you being on the show today. You are uh, such a, a great leader and icon in our industry. Uh, you stand for good. Uh, you stand for the things that 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 really uh, make our industry uh, proud. I, I want to thank you on behalf of so many people for the decades of influence that you've had and leadership that you've had in our industry. Uh, I want to thank you personally for the friendship for almost two decades now. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom today and your insights uh, with our audience, because this is going to be super helpful to people to have a bit better and different view of the marketplace and understand that we're not going anywhere. This this industry is around for a long, long time. And you don't need to be worrying about the things you can't control. You need to focus on things you can and, and things. Aren't what you hear in the media. Remember that because that's very, very true. So, Barry, thank you so much. I love you, my friend. I appreciate you. I God you bless too. you. You're the best. God bless
1: you too. God bless you too. Love you, brother. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thanks, Barry. Batting a thousand is a production of Mortgage Champions, a company that's been transforming the people who transform companies since 1995. Have a suggested topic or guest? Contact my team on Twitter. That's at Dale Vermillion or tweet us using the hashtag Batting1000, that's hashtag Batting1000.